Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to Any Questions. This is going to be my last episode of 2023, and it just so happens to mark approximately two years of trying to conceive for me and my husband, which is not an anniversary I particularly wanted to celebrate, but here we are all the same. So since it's the end of the year, since it's our two-year anniversary, I thought this would be a good time to sort of wrap up, talk about the last year, you know, what's changed, what's new, what's going to be happening next year, um, and sort of just share where I'm at. So I know this episode might not be um, super helpful for everyone. Uh, I know some people just like to, you know, bounce around to the episodes that are, you know, topics you're interested in. And I get that like hearing about my life might not be that interesting, but, um, it's, uh, it's something I want to record. So, <laughs> so I guess if you're listening to this, then you are, then you're here for this episode as well. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate, I've always said that this podcast is, you know, as much as it's supposed to be helpful and engaging and fun to listen to for you. It's also very much an outlet for me to sort of share my thoughts and feelings and talk through what I'm going through, especially with a topic like fertility, like TTC, that's so taboo and you don't really get to have these conversations out loud all the time. So I really appreciate, I, I get that this episode is going to mostly be me just sort of rambling through my stuff. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, before I jump in, I just want to shout out a listener um, uh, who left some feedback for me in my uh, Google form. And they basically just shared, you know, how they found the podcast and that they really liked it. But I wanted to point out a couple things that um, really stood out to me. Uh, they said, you know, it's been an up and down roller coaster because we thought we'd get pregnant right away and we had no idea about things like two week wait or, you know, negative tests or fertility. And I think so many of us can, you know, um, really see ourselves in that statement, right? Like so many people who are dealing with infertility or who are on a TTC journey for, you know, longer than a month or two, um, you, you just had no idea, right? And this listener even goes on to say like, you know, leave it to our middle school health class that made us think we'd get pregnant right away. And it's so true. And I, and I get it, you know, if you're teaching, um, you know, health class to a bunch of 13 year olds, you probably do want to <laughs> let them know that, hey, you actually could get pregnant right away. Um, but then I almost feel like we need another lesson at like 22 being like, but by the way, it's actually kind of hard to get pregnant. And like, here's what else you need to know. Uh, this listener then said, you know, I just wanted to say that I felt so sad and distraught about everything until I found your podcast. Everything you put out is exactly what has been circling in my brain. And I feel so validated knowing that I'm not alone. So thank you so much for saying that, uh, listener, uh, apologize. I'm not sure if you left your name or not, but just in case you wanted to be anonymous, I will, I will just call you listener. Um, thank you for saying that, that, that makes me feel less alone knowing that, you know, the things happening in my brain are also happening in yours and, you know, the hundreds of other people who are listening are also nodding along, feeling the same way. So you definitely are not alone. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking the time to, to write me. I really appreciate it. All right. So let's recap my 2023, essentially my second year of trying to conceive. Um, I'll put a, I was going to say spoiler alert. That's silly. Not a spoiler alert. I will put a content warning. Um, as you may have heard, if you've listened to some of my past episodes on this 
Uh, my husband and I did experience a pregnancy loss this summer, so I'll be mentioning that throughout this episode. Um, I'm not going to get too into the weeds, I don't think. So, it, you know, if if you're okay, kind of just hearing mention of it, you should be fine. But um, if if that's not for you, I totally understand. And please take care of yourself. Feel free to turn this off. Not a problem at all. All right. So this was the year that we finally got in with a fertility clinic. And if you've been listening to my podcast since the beginning, or you know some of my my story, basically, you know, we tried it on our own for many months, um, sort of realized that I obviously had something going on because there was a, a t- I was going to say a period of time, a period of time where I did not get my period um, for, I think it ended up being like 135 days or something just like really, really crazy long. So through, you know, various tests with my doctor, with a gynecologist, we finally figured out, yes, you know, I have PCOS, I have all the markers for it. And then it just took a really long time to get in with a fertility clinic. It seemed like we were kind of get, getting passed back and forth between my family doctor, between the gynecologist, waiting for tests. And again, I'm so grateful, you know, so far, the only thing we've had to pay out of pocket is a little bit of money for medication. And even that has been really affordable because we do have um, insurance that covers most of it. So all of these tests, all of these doctor's appointments so far have been covered by our provincial healthcare, yay, free healthcare. <laughs> so I, I do really appreciate that. Um, it's just a longer, it's a longer system here. You know, it takes longer to get tests and to get results and to talk to doctors. And it's even the fact that I have a family doctor is like a miracle that doesn't really happen where I'm from. Um, So it's just been a bit of a long process. So one of the big wins from this year was finally being referred to a fertility clinic and feeling like we're kind of making progress there. Um, I also was able to get on some medication for different, you know, the PCOS and different fertility issues. I would say pros and cons to that. Um, I like... I like the idea of it feeling, again, more productive, like we're moving towards something because of the medication. There were some side effects to the medication I was not a big fan of. And I think, you know, I've been trying to interrogate this a little bit more because as I talk to you right now, I'm not currently taking any medication. And I think part of it was, um, you know, well, we did get pregnant on this medication. We didn't stay pregnant. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like a silver bullet. Oh, as soon as we started taking it, everything worked out. We got pregnant. We're still pregnant. We have a baby. Everything's great. So it did feel like the medication wasn't really working. Um, and it was supposed to, because most of the medication was sort of for me to, you know, reduce my PCOS symptoms. And I didn't really feel any reduction in symptoms. My cycles were still really long. So it didn't really feel like the medication was working. So I think it was more the mental side effects of the medication than the physical side effects. Um, The biggest side effect was just like an upset stomach, which is just like inconvenient, I guess. Uh, I usually work from home. So, you know, it's not a huge deal to have to like go to the bathroom (laughs) more often than not. Uh, But it became very inconvenient anytime, you know, I was going out or meeting up with friends or when we were on vacation. So I kind of just stopped taking it uh, anytime we had plans and things like that. Um, But I think it was more the mental fatigue of like, okay, you know, I've got to take, there were certain days when I was taking like, you know, 14 little pills each day and I'm not someone who can swallow pills. So it was a whole, whole ordeal just to like get the pill down, you know, like crushing it up and putting it in applesauce like a baby. Um, And just, I think just the mental awareness of like, hey, I need to be so, you know, in tune with like, okay, did I take my medicine? Do I have enough applesauce? Do I have a clean little bowl to cut it and put it in? Did I remember to take it? Did I take the afternoon one? Did I take it early enough because I have a plan this evening? Um, You know, on top of your temperature and your OPK tests and all the other things you're tracking, and then knowing that, you know, every time I'm taking it, I'm still on day, you know, 42 of my cycle or something like that, and it's not working. I think that was just very mentally draining for me. 
Um, so yeah, so pros and cons to medication. Um, and it's something I definitely want to talk to our fertility doctor about sort of saying like, hey, was I supposed to have seen better results with this medication? Um, or was I just not on it for long enough? Or was it working? And, you know, I just couldn't tell. Uh, I'd love to sort of figure out some of the answers there because I, I think it was just really hard on my mental health to be that um, needing to be that obsessed almost with the medication uh, was not great for me. Um, other things that happened this year, uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we did um, get pregnant briefly in the summer. It was like a couple days, honestly, uh, between you know the positive pregnancy test and then when the spotting started that eventually led to my period. So um, falls in that chemical pregnancy category, though I did do a whole episode on how like you know a chemical pregnancy is a miscarriage by definition. Um, and you can have big feelings about that. You can have small feelings about that. You can have no feelings about that. I had some, I'll say medium feelings <laughs> about that. Uh, it was obviously heartbreaking to go through that experience. And especially after, you know, that was a year and a half of trying and testing and doctors and medication and all this stuff. And to finally be like, okay, you know, we did it. It all worked. It was all for something. And then two days later, like, just kidding, we're starting again. Um, was not great. Obviously it was nice to know, Hey, you know, we can get pregnant, but just the with the way that whole thing worked i don't i don't put a lot of stock i guess in the fact that yeah we were able to get pregnant because honestly i i did end up i tested a couple days earlier than i normally would um just because we were going on a camping trip and i kind of wanted to know before we went camping um because i didn't want to have to bring all of my like period supplies with me on this camping trip that also happened to be my birthday so this was not my best birthday <laughs> i'll be honest 31 not my favorite um uh so yeah so i don't i don't know that this was the first time we've gotten pregnant you know there there may have been times in the past where we did get pregnant and just because i was waiting to test i didn't know um which i think they say you know in terms of chemical pregnancies a lot of them actually do go undetected because people don't test uh, super early. And then, you know, the spotting just happens a day or two later and it's, oh, you actually, you know, you were pregnant then, but it didn't stick. And, you know, you just feel like your period's like a little bit late. Um, so I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm I, I think I'm done processing that, but, <laughs> uh, I guess looking back sort of, you know, felt very sad and, and heartbroken in the moment. And I'm sort of, I guess I've come to terms with it a little bit better now. Um, because of that, we did end up sharing our fertility journey with a few more people, um, our parents and some friends. And I, I think that is another, you know, like the meds, I would say pros and cons. It was really nice to have some support, to have some people in our corner, to be able to talk, you know, openly and honestly. As I shared, you know, when we did go through our loss, I did have a little bit of um, a negative feeling, I guess, towards my mother-in-law who was there with us. You know, she was on that camping trip while it was happening. I really did not feel supported by her. Um, and that was very hard. And I think through therapy, which I always recommend, I've sort of, again, kind of come to terms with that reaction and that that wasn't any lack of love or lack of support, but just showing support in a different way. Um, so I'm feeling a bit better about that. I would say kind of the cons of more people in our life knowing is there is this almost like an expectation of like, oh, are they going to announce news or like, you know, there's not, you don't, you don't quite have the anonymity, I guess, of like going through your TTC journey. And, you know, if we just popped up with a pregnancy announcement a couple months from now, people would be like, oh, that's so exciting. You decided to have a kid. And it's like, oh no, we decided two and a half years ago. <laughs> it's just taken us some long time to get here. 
Um, you know, so there's that, I think there's a little bit of like anticipation every time we, you know, see our parents or something, it's sort of like, oh, oh, is it happening? Is it happening? And it's kind of like, whoa, you need to relax. Like, I don't, not that they're putting pressure on us, but even just like that perceived iota of pressure. Uh, I don't really love that. Um, and I don't think even though we've sort of shared part of the journey with them, we haven't really shared everything. So I'm thinking just like a conversation I had with my dad, you know, we, so I told him about the loss, I think in July or August, and then we had a family vacation together in October. And he was like, Hey, is it okay for me to ask, you know, how, how are things going? I was like, yeah, that's really nice. Like, thanks for, thanks for asking if you can ask. I really did appreciate that. And he's kind of like, yeah, so just, you know, are we, are, are you still trying? And it's like, of course we're still trying. It's been two years. <laughs> like, like it wasn't like we just tried once in July, got pregnant, lost the baby and then, or lost the pregnancy and then decided we should stop trying. Like, I just don't think he quite understood the full journey. And that's, you know, on me, I don't think I shared all of it with him. Um, but it's just a little bit of a, and he even acknowledged, he's like, you know, because I guess he never had issues with conceiving me or my siblings, um, you know, hadn't really thought of this part of the journey. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's good to have the support. It's good to have people there, but there's also the burden of expectations of needing to keep them informed. And I think all the people we've told are really cool and great and not like up in our faces and putting pressure and asking questions. And I think we could tell them to back off if that ever became the situation, but just, just the pros and cons of, <laughs> of sharing a fertility journey with people. I'm sure I've done an episode on that, like on who to tell about your fertility journey, but I might do an updated one now that we have told a few more people and just sort of talking through what that uh, looks like for us. All right. What else? Um, so I think, Another, you know, sort of great thing about this year has been the communication with my husband. I think throughout this whole journey, we have always been very communicative and very like open about, you know, what we're feeling, what we're going through. But I think this year, more than ever, we've been able to talk through, I guess, a lot of the lows, you know, like our loss, like journeys with medication and, and things like that. And I think we've really come to a good place of sort of how we talk about this and how we share our feelings and how we um, even like the logistics of, you know, okay, what is, you know, if I have a positive OPK test, like, what am I, what am I asking him for? What am I, you know, what does that mean for our <laughs> activities? Um, it was to the point where, you know, I was sort of feeling very burdened by the medication I had to take. And one of the ways to help me feel better about that was I made it his responsibility to get my medication like ready for me. Not, you know, not as like my servant, but like if he was making breakfast for us that morning and we kind of trade, you know, who makes breakfast, if it was his turn to make breakfast, like preparing my medication was part of our family breakfast. That wasn't something that like I had to go do by myself because it's just me who's, you know, taking medication and it's just me who's doing all this work to have a baby. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but if you are in a, you know, um, if, if you're in a relationship where one person has the ovaries and is carrying the baby and the other person is contributing other things <laughs> to said baby or not contributing, you know, de depending on how you're conceiving, but generally speaking, the person with the ovaries with the uterus is the one who has to do more of these things like checking their temperature, taking the OPK test, checking cervical fluid, um, potentially, you know, taking different medications and vitamins and stuff. And it can often feel like the other partner is not contributing as much and not bearing as much as the burden. And I think it's really important as much as possible to share that burden. And I know I've had that conversation with my husband quite a bit about, you know, how can he sort of take more of this off my shoulders? And if it's things, you know, obviously he's not going to be there in the middle of the day when I'm doing my OPK test and like, 
like peeing in a cup. Like I don't really need him to be a part of that, but I do need him to like acknowledge that it's something I'm doing. So he's gotten really, really good about that of, you know, really thanking me for like being on top of like tracking and stuff like that. So I think logistically and also as like emotional support, I think we both come a really long way um, and sort of, you know, setting a plan and, and keeping each other encouraged, but also letting each other, um, you know, feel crappy and discouraged when we need to. So I'm sure we will just continue to grow in that um, as this journey kind of progresses. All right. So I wanted to talk about some of the lessons or I don't know if it's lessons, um, maybe like feelings, takeaways from this year, which relates to, you know, everything I just talked about. And then I'll share some plans for next year. So I guess the big one is, like I said, you know, we got in with the fertility clinic, we started taking medication, we technically had, you know, our first pregnancy, positive pregnancy test, even though it didn't last. So all of that does feel like we made progress. Like that's sort of my, one of my big feelings of this year. It does feel like we we made progress. Like we've really like taken steps and we're moving towards the goal. Um, at the same time, I think something that was really striking me a lot um, earlier this month, uh, December and November, was that, you know, as we come to this two-year anniversary, sure, you know, we've moved forward, we've taken tests, we've, you know, met with doctors, we've started medications, but we are still in a place where, like, we're not pregnant, we don't have a baby, and it's been two years, and I keep having this, you know, this thought, this realization, like, we could have, as I've talked about before, one of my goals for us is to live abroad again. We did it in 2019, 2020, and I want us to go and do that again, live abroad for a year or so, you know, six months, whatever we can do. And it kind of hurts to think, hey, you know, we're, we're coming up on two years. We still are not pregnant. We still don't have a baby. We could have left. We could have gone and lived for a year, for two years, somewhere else, come back, and we'd still be in the exact same spot. And I know that's such 2020, like only in hindsight thinking, um, but it's kind of crushing to realize that like we didn't have to put things on hold. Um, we could have gone and done all these awesome things and come back and still been in the same spot. And I think that's sort of one of those, one of those life lessons really of, you know, how much, you know, how much of life can you put on hold while you work towards things and, and how much of it is just, okay, go out and live. And if it happens, it happens kind of thing, right? It's, I think it's a, a fine balance. In terms of my own sort of emotions, mental journey with this, I think I'm still still struggling with parts of it. I think that's kind of the whole thing. Um, I did get back into therapy this year, which I think was really, really helpful. I'm not convinced I want to stick with the same therapist for next year, but I, I do want to continue therapy in some way. So I think that's going to be really, really helpful. I've definitely noticed, you know, I if you go back to my early podcast episodes, I probably say this in like one of the first ones, but I've noticed even more so this year how much my mood and my feelings and my, you know, mental health, mental status is dependent on where I'm at in my cycle. And I don't really mean that from like a hormonal standpoint, though I'm sure that's part of it, but more just like, you know, if you're if you're in that two week wait, I find myself at least, you know, much more hopeful, much more optimistic, you know, looking out for signs, really feeling like this could be it. Um, and obviously once my period comes, feeling quite down, quite, quite dejected, uh, feeling kind of like silly, like I thought this was going to happen. And then for me, because my cycles are so freaking long, that time from like period until ovulation just feels kind of like no man's land. I'm like, nothing is happening. There's, you know, there's nothing I can actively do right now. I don't have any answers. There's no way I can get pregnant during this <laughs> phase of my cycle. And I end up feeling quite, um, 
quite pessimistic at that time. And I think that's also when I start having those feelings of like, okay, let's just move to France. Let's just pick up and buy a van and drive to Costa Rica. Like, you know, I start having these kind of crazy, let's just throw it all away and and get out of here plans. And I, that's, you know, a larger part of just my personality. <laughs> my, my go-to reaction is always to, you know, jump on a plane. I think that's always, always going to be, I joke that like, you know, if it's happy news, sad news, no news, the the goal or the result, the answer is always travel somewhere. Um, so I think because I am noticing how much my my mood and my mental state depend on where I'm at in my cycle, I really want to be careful not to make big life-changing plans based on just where I'm at in my cycle. Like I almost need to write it down. It's kind of like when they say, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard this before, but when you're in labor, if you are you know, you're like, oh, I don't really want an epidural, you know, I want to do it, whatever, au natural, no, no meds, no nothing. Um, they tell you to not make a decision while you are having a contraction, like wait until the contraction's over. And then if you still feel that way, you know, that's sort of like you're back in a, I don't know, more clear state of mind. So if, you know, you're having the contraction and you're screaming for the epidural and then the contraction's over and you're like, actually, you know what, I'm okay. Um, anyways, that's sort of, I'm trying to equate the two <laughs> things. I just don't want to make a decision, you know, okay, I you know, wake up and my period's here and I go, okay, that's it. Like we're never having a baby. We're moving to France. Let's go. Um, I, I want to be a little bit more careful that I'm sort of making decisions uh, that feel right, I guess, at all times of my cycle and not just when I'm in the lowest point. Um, what else have I thought from this year? Um, I'm trying to remember. So yeah, so some things, some less, I guess these are lessons, feelings. Uh, there's two sort of big things that I'm trying to keep in mind. So the first is as much as possible, I want to find these positives in my life outside of trying to conceive, outside of maybe having a baby. And, you know, like I talked about, you don't want to put life on hold. Obviously there are some practicalities to that. You know, if we do pick up and leave and move to another country, um, if we get pregnant, you know, we want to have the baby here. We want to be with friends and family here. We have a house here. We have a dog. We have jobs. Like it's not the easiest thing in the world. So I want to find other positives in my life. You know, if I can't move abroad, if we don't get pregnant, if we don't, you know, grow our family, what else can I be working towards? What else is exciting? What else can I look forward to? Uh, so even to the fact like my husband and I put together a list of things we want to do next year, um, that, you know, are, are just like fun, exciting things, little things, right? Like we, we have one, we want to do a week of takeout, which I know is the most like ludicrous thing, but we want to do a whole week where we don't have to plan any meals. We don't have to cook. We don't have to like meal prep and we just get to order takeout every single day. And it's silly and it's indulgent. Um, but we want to do it and it'll be fun and we'll look forward to it. And, you know, things like we want to go to a baseball game and we want to, um, go like take the ferry over to the island and things like that. Like just little things that will make 2024 exciting outside of having a baby. Cause I don't want to tie, I don't want 20, you know, I, I feel like I did that a little bit in 2023 and even in 2022 being like, you know, this is the year we get pregnant. This is the year we have a baby. And then here I am at the end of the year, not pregnant, don't have a baby. And I don't want to tie my whole year to this result that I feel I don't really have much control over and much rather have, um, you know, other things in life that I can actually like know that I can accomplish, know that I can look forward to and that will happen rather than this like nebulous result of like, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe I will get pregnant, maybe I won't, you know, who knows, right? And I don't want to feel like I failed, like 2024 sucked because this thing didn't happen. 
Um, another thing I'm trying to, you know, keep in mind is just remembering that, you know, we still have time, we still have options. I'm 31 right now, you know, we just want the one baby. In the limited time we've talked with the fertility clinic, you know, they felt very positive about where we were at in terms of our test results. Like it really just does seem like my PCOS is like the one thing holding us back. Um, they felt very confident when they heard our ages and that we just want the one kid. Um, and knowing that, you know, so far, yes, we've done tests, we've done medication, we've done doctor's appointments, but we haven't really moved into like the reproductive, I think, reproductive assistance, or I'm not sure what the umbrella term is. But you know, we haven't tried the IUIs, the IVFs, the donors and circuits, like we haven't gone down that route. And then there's, you know, there's adoption. And then there's also the option of just not having kids. Like there are, there are still lots of options for us. It's not like this is the end of the road. So I'm really trying to remind myself of that, even though it feels <laughs> like the end of the road or, you know, like it's been a long road, I guess, because it's been two years, but there really are so many other options out there. And we really do still have time. Like there are people who have babies, grow their families, you know, well into their thirties, forties beyond, um, and, and those options are still there for us. And I do try to remind myself that, you know, once this does happen, if this does happen, it's going to feel like the right time. Like it's going to feel like all of this other TTC stuff vanished. And I know that because for those few days that we were pregnant in July, um, I remember like, you know, once I told my husband, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, we are not ready for this. We like felt so unprepared. We were so like, ah, like, you know, excited, but nervous. And it's funny because we could have gotten pregnant a year and a half before that. So it's funny to think a year and a half later, we still felt so unprepared. And in that instant, like when, you know, when we thought this was happening for us, all of that time we spent TTCing all of the tests and the unknowns and the negative, you know, results and things like that, like all of that vanished. Like it was just like, okay, like, yep, none of that meant anything. Like, but none of that was wasted time. None of that felt long because like, here we are, we are in this moment. And I think that's what it's going to feel like, even if this journey takes, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever, if it doesn't happen, well, if it doesn't happen, that's another story. But, you know, if we're still here, if I'm recording the same themed podcast a year from now, um, I don't think any of this time will, will matter once we actually have a kid. Um, and that's sort of, I think, a very hopeful thing to remember and to kind of cling to that, like, the timing is going to feel right once we are pregnant, once we have a baby, like, there will be no part of us is going to be like, oh, man, well, what a waste the last three years was. It was like, no, that, like, that was so worth it. And who cares? Because we have this kid and, like, this is, you know, this is the kid we were supposed to have at this time. And, you know, nothing else really matters. So at the same time as, you know, knowing that we have time, knowing that we have a lot of options, I do think there's another sort of, I guess, feeling that I've had this year or realization. Um, you know, I, I do believe that if if we really wanted a, a baby, a child to grow our family, we could make that happen. Like if our end all be all goal was like, we will be parents, I believe we could do that. Um, it might be on a, you know, a different timeline. It might be in a different way than we originally envisioned, but I do feel that, you know, there, there would be a way and a, and a time that we can make that happen. The problem is, you know, we might not want to wait that long. We might not want to spend that much money. We might not want to go down, you know, whatever route it is that would give us a kid. And I know there are some people who are like, no, you know, I'm going to move, um, Oh, what's the term? Move heaven and hell or whatever. They're going <laughs> to, they're going to spend, you know, 
there's no there's no limit there's no budget like they will go into debt they will borrow money they will whatever they have to do they're gonna set up a gofundme whatever like they'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars they will be on every adoption list they'll adopt you know if they wanted a baby like no problem they'll take a five-year-old or you know whatever it is like or they'll wait you know if it's they're going to get on an adoption list and it's okay if the wait time is five years, like they will become parents and they don't care how long it takes and they don't care how much it costs. And I think that's totally fine. Like if that is, you're like, Hey, this is my thing in life. Like I want to be a parent no matter what, there's no, you know, amount of time or amount of money I wouldn't spend to make this happen. Um, I think that's fine. And that's, if that's how you feel great, I hope you and your partner both feel the same way. And I hope you are finding lots of ways to support yourself on that journey because obviously it is stressful and emotional and difficult to be on this journey for such a long time or to be spending so much money on it. Um, I don't think that's where my husband and I are at. I don't think, I do, I do think there is a limit to how much time we would spend and how much money we would spend to make this happen. And I know that's not true for everyone, but it is sort of a realization I've come to this year. And again, like I said, you know, we're two years in, there are still a lot of options available to us. We still haven't really spent much money on this process. It's mostly just been time and waiting. Um, and we haven't even really started to explore all the different options. So I'm, so I'm not counting us out yet, but I do think this is a reality for us. And, and, you know, maybe for some people who, you know, don't, I think there are a lot of people who are in the same shoes as us of like, you know, we will try this thing, but we won't try this thing. Or, you know, we'll spend up to this amount, but we won't go beyond that. Or we'll wait five years. And if it doesn't happen, it's not meant to be. And I think that's okay. And I think it's probably something we're going to wrestle with more in the future, depending how, you know, the next year or two go. And we have to start making those big decisions of, you know, what we are willing to try, what we are willing to spend. But I, I almost find it a bit comforting to kind of know that if this doesn't happen, like that's okay. It is not, I don't think it's my be all end all only thing in life. I really, you know, I don't, I think I could have a good life not being a parent, which is kind of powerful and kind of freeing, honestly, to say out loud. Uh, I think life would look a little bit different and there would obviously be some heartbreak, some loss, um, a tough time to sort of get over it, especially with, you know, a situation like ours where even if we say, okay, that's it. Like, you know, we're not, we're not trying anymore. We're, we're done. Um, unless we like go and physically have body parts removed, we could always be trying. So it's kind of always going to be in the back of our minds, right? Which is not the case in all uh, relationships, obviously. So it's, it's a weird one that we'll never really be able to close the door on, I guess, unless we wait until I'm like fully past menopause. <laughs> um, but I, I do think, I do think life would be okay. I think we could make the most of it and have a really good life, just the two of us and probably like three more dogs and lots more travel. Um, that's kind of like a nice comforting thing to, to know in the back of my mind. But again, that's not going to be, you know, a real conversation for a few years now, hopefully. All right, looking ahead to 2024. So actually on the day you are hearing this podcast, we have a an appointment with our fertility doctor. So this is sort of our checkup, catch-up appointment. You know, we've been on the medication for, well, should have been like seven or eight months now. It's probably more like six-ish months now because I did uh, stop taking it. Um, so we're basically calling them to sort of get next steps. And it sounds like likely it's going to be IUI, intrauterine insemination, and something that we pursue in the new year. So if you're here for the <laughs> for my fertility journey, that will probably be where we go next. Um, our thoughts right now, not obviously having talked to the doctor and not having 
any of this info yet is we'll probably try IUI a couple times, I think, if it's not, you know, if we're getting promising um, responses from the doctor and it's not super expensive or super invasive, we'll probably give it a couple goes. And then, you know, I think we'll probably reevaluate from that point, like, do we want to move on to something um, a little bit more expensive, invasive, intensive, you know, whatever it is, whether that's IVF or something else, depending on, again, what results, what responses we're getting from the IUI, what the the doctors are telling us, um, or do we want to try another method, or do we want to take a break? Uh, we had kind of talked about our like sort of loose plan is, you know, mid twenty twenty four, after hopefully, well, hopefully we're just pregnant and we <laughs> we don't have to deal with this at all. But you know, hopefully we get a couple IUI tries under our belt by mid twenty twenty four, and if it's still not happening, sort of reevaluating and seeing like where we want to go from there. And very much on the table is taking a break from at least the assisted side of fertility and actually going and moving abroad or doing, you know, a long-term trip and sort of giving ourselves that like nice reset and then coming back and sort of picking up again and, and deciding what we want to do from there. So that's uh, that's sort of our loose, very loose plan for 2024. Um, it feels good to have like a bit of a direction or, you know, some thoughts about where we want to go. Um, and obviously fingers crossed the IUI, if that is where we end up works for us and we don't have to reevaluate or take a break or anything like that, but, um, it's good to kind of have a bit of a backup in terms of next year for the podcast, 2024. So I will definitely be continuing with this podcast. I know some of you had asked me to do episodes on IUI and IVF and other like reproductive um, technologies. I don't feel comfortable talking about them when it's not something I'm personally experiencing. As you know, this podcast is, especially this episode, is very much my own thoughts, my own journey. Um, it's never, as, as much as it has been, you know, perhaps informational at times, it's never been like an educational podcast. And that's just not, I don't feel qualified to do a whole episode on like, what is IVF and how much does it cost and how does it work? Because, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I haven't done IVF myself. And also to be quite frank, that sounds a little bit boring for me to, for me to do a bunch of research. Um, I just think there are better voices out there for you to get that info from. But absolutely, as I'm going on this journey, I will take you with me and kind of share, as this podcast is known for, the more, you know, emotional uh, reflective side of it and less the like medicine and science. Again, those podcasts are out there if you want that info. Um, I still do have a lot of awesome suggestions from you all who have filled out my form in the show notes for some uh, different episodes you'd love to hear. If you have any other suggestions, any other topics you'd like me to discuss, any feedback, you just want to share your own journey, I always love, love, love hearing from you. There's a link in my show notes. It's just a Google form. It's very easy. There's one box where you can like write in your thoughts. That's it. No other questions. You're not signing up for an email list, nothing like that. Um, I'd love to hear from you. It's so cool. Uh, seeing like real humans, <laughs> right? Um, you know, write in and let me know what they're dealing with. And especially if you have anything you'd love for me to cover on the podcast, uh, please, please do let me know. That link will be in the show notes. Another podcast episode I'm thinking of is I was thinking to do an interview with my husband. Uh, let me know if that's something that you'd want. I think I think if you're listening on Spotify, I can actually put like a poll or something in the notes so you can vote on that or again, fill out that feedback form. Let me know, especially let me know if you have any questions for him. I had kind of brainstormed a couple and I floated the idea by him and he was like, yeah, I think so. Um, so if that's something, if you'd kind of like to hear his perspective, the 
I guess the male perspective or just my my male's perspective on this whole journey. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool because obviously these TTC podcasts are mostly hosted by, well, they're mostly hosted by doctors, then by moms, then by women trying. Uh, very rarely are men's voices in the conversation. So I think it'd be kind of cool to hear from a partner. So that's something I'm planning for the new year. Let me know if that's something you'd want to hear. Um, and then it's sort of tangentially related to this. I also wanted to shout out, there's a podcast called Baby Steps. Um, it's through Betches, B-E-T-C-H-E-S. And I think it's under their Oversharing, which is another just very cool podcast, not really to do with fertility. Um, anyways, Baby Steps. So the host of the podcast, Jordana, she is on her own fertility journey. And in each episode, I think they come out every two weeks, she interviews someone who is on some part of the fertility TTC uh, journey. Mostly people who have had their babies now, but basically just like different, I think the tagline is like, you know, different routes to parenthood when the typical, you know, conception doesn't come easy. So she's talked to people who have done like IVF or surrogacy, um, you know, queer couples or queer people, single parenthood, talking to doctors. Um, it's just, it's very cool. And I think it's another, uh, it's, I think it's similar to this podcast that I'm doing here and that the host is someone who is like on their own journey and is just like asking questions, looking for answers, looking for stories and things like that. And then obviously they're interviewing a ton of people. So there's like a lot of different perspectives in there. So I would highly recommend that one if you're looking for more podcasts kind of in the same vein. Um, I would say take everything the guests are saying, you know, with a grain of salt. Everyone's obviously just talking about their own personal journey. Um, so I always get a little uh, when like, you know, people, people who, especially people who aren't doctors, but people who aren't your doctors, uh, start like recommending things like, oh, everyone just has to take this one supplement and then you'll be fine. It's like, no, <laughs> probably not. And also maybe that's not even what worked for you. Maybe, you know, just, you just happened to be on that supplement at that time. Anyways, that's a whole nother soapbox, but baby steps, great podcast. I highly recommend it. All right, as I wrap things up here, um, my my sort of biggest note from 2023 in terms of this whole fertility thing is really uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for writing in, especially over the summer when I did have my pregnancy loss. Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me to have so many people fill out my feedback form or leave me a voice note and just sending me so much love, so much support, so many really encouraging stories and, you know, great tips. And just, it really felt, you know, even though this is a one-way street, you know, I, I talk, you listen, uh, it really felt like you were, you know, talking back to me and I felt very supported, very loved, very cared for in that moment. And in all the moments, anytime you write me, fill out my feedback form, even just seeing people listen is so cool. And I know this is such a strange little podcast. There's no, you know, big fancy podcast network. There's no ads. There's shitty audio as I have had pointed out to me. Um, but it means so much to me that it still resonates with many of you and you tune in every two weeks to hear me. I love having this, you know, as an outlet for myself, but I even more so, and I, I didn't think this would happen when I first started recording, to be honest. I love that there is this sort of, I want to call it a community. I know we don't really do anything. We don't have like a, a group chat or anything going on, but it, it feels like we have, you know, I, I feel you out there listening and I, and I really, really appreciate it. So I just wanted to thank you so much. If you've been here through any of these episodes, um, 
thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope you keep listening into 2024. And I hope before that you have an amazing holiday season and maybe even get a Christmas miracle, right? Who knows? Maybe we all come back in 2024 with really great news. Um, I, I hope that's the case. Thank you so much. Have an awesome holiday season and I will talk to you in January. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.